Welcome to Ottawa Valley Community Church, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Hey, we've come through the one series, and I'm going to try to resist speed talking a little bit. The time is, with communion, the service is always tight, but I will try not to speed talk too much. Uh, we've, we've come through this one series, and, uh, and it's been an incredible journey walking through, you know, the question of unity and, and coming together around some of our core theological things that we as Christians believe that we hold as central to uh, who we are as believers. And now what we want to do is we want to continue to sort of bring ourselves together around the central story of Christianity. As we mentioned earlier before we did communion, we want to walk through uh, these moments of Jesus' life where he, uh, he gives up his, his life as a ransom for us and he uh, ultimately is buried, ultimately uh, raises. But in the journey to that, in the journey to that moment on the cross, uh, there are some, some incredible moments where we see uh, the beauty of the Savior. Um, breaking through. Uh, for any of us, the moments that Jesus walked through, uh, betrayal at the hand of a friend, uh, he's praying in the garden with friends, and uh, you know they can't stay awake to, to be with him before he goes through this horrible thing. Um, the, the, the beatings, the arrest, the trial, uh, the cross, all of it, all of that journey is, is incredibly uh, horrifying to us. But Jesus walks through it with an incredible grace. And, and in those moments that are most horrifying, we see this incredible beauty. We have this gift of seeing his glory shine brighter as his road grows darker. And so in these moments of uh, betrayal, abandonment, rest, trial, death, uh, we want to sort of enter in to see who he is, see the victory that he was able to see that was coming for him, and understand how that victory that he could see around the corner uh, enabled him to endure the moment he was in. How did that victory uh, inform his present? And for us, we want to be able to take away from that an understanding of how his victory uh, informs our present, how it informs our ability to walk through the difficult and challenging moments that we have to walk through. And, and so that's sort of the first thing. There, there's instruction, there's learning from the master that comes from looking at his story that way. And then the second thing that we want to take from these moments uh, in this series is to just exalt in the beauty of him to just be captured by the beauty that we see of who he is and that we would be drawn to worship him. As people, uh, when we see him and when we worship him, uh, we're transformed. That's part of what this experience is about Sunday morning. It's, it's totally for him, worship but it transforms us because the way we're wired as humans is we become what we worship. If you worship violence, if you worship uh, rage and anger and conflict and, and all of those things, if they're what have your attention, if they're sort of what you celebrate, if you celebrate strength, you can maybe become something of that. But if you worship and celebrate and are aware of and exult in, to exult in something means to just look at it and go, whoa, this is amazing. I'm just blown away by it. If we exult in him and let ourselves be awed by him, 
uh, we become more like him. So we are transformed, we learn, and we glorify him. And so this week we're looking at the story of the washing of the uh, disciples' feet in John uh, chapter 13, verses 1 to 15. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to learn something about how to walk cleanly. The washing of the disciples' feet, in that there is something about us walking cleanly with him and with one another. There's something for us to learn there. But what we want to exult in is the character of humility that we see in Jesus and see that beauty and be transformed by it because that's what enables us to walk in community cleanly together. So we want those two things to be happening in our hearts. Uh, Let me read John chapter 13, verses 1 to 15. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you want to wash my feet? Do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I am doing to you, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him, and that's why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, And resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Have you ever just felt grimy? Have you ever just felt grimy. And maybe you can remember a time when you felt like that. Uh, I used to work as a carpenter and sometimes you would have a hot and sticky day and lots of sawdust. Sometimes you would have uh, sometimes work on the farm and sometimes it's that black Saskatchewan farm dirt that's under your fingernails and, and you experience that kind of grimy. But the time in my life when I remember being grimy more than any other uh, was when I was a short-term missions trip and I was in Cairo, Egypt. Uh, we were, it was about, I was about 20 years old. It was just before Hannah and I had gotten married. I'd been given some time uh, that was free, and so I went to explore uh, the market. I went to explore uh, this place here, the Fakhala Khali Bazaar in Cairo. And it was a place that was 
just absolutely packed with people. And if you've ever been to Cairo, you would understand that, uh, there's, it, that it's a tightly packed city with tons of construction going on. Uh, the population in it at that time, years ago, was booming. Um, there were t you know, 10 million people in the city at that time. And now there's uh, something in the neighborhood of 22 million. Uh, so it's just this teeming uh, mass of humanity. And when you walk into these markets, you're chest to chest and face to face and shoulder to shoulder, kind of edging your way through to see the wares that are there. You're going into little shops. And if you're brave, uh, you go down side little streets and into little scary alleyways and, and see what's there. I remember I bought an opal for Anna and a little jeweler in a back corner scary alley. I was terrified I was going to be mugged or something and, and uh, bought this little opal uh, for her. And uh, we, we walked through that place. And uh, I, I, there was another person who was with me, but they were sort of at the other end and we were separated. And it was just one of those things that feels like a, sort of a harrowing human experience. Uh, Cairo is dry and dusty and every little bit that you sweat in the sweltering heat uh, ends up being grime that sort of sticks to your skin and in sandals sticks to your feet. So by the time I came out of that place and came out of that experience, uh, I felt kind of sandblasted and sticky. And just like if you rub your hand on your other hand, it's just sandy grit just kind of grinding itself into your skin. And we're finally getting back. I'd started the day with a shower and in a nice air-conditioned place, and I came back with the smell of smog and tobacco and humanity kind of in my nostrils. And you go in and you finally get back into that air conditioning and you get that shower. And I'll never remember, never forget the look of the grime just sort of going down my legs and off my feet and, and going down the drain. That's kind of how we live our lives. Sometimes we experience this as humans. Uh, we, we may have been cleansed by Jesus. We may have been washed by him. But we still have to walk with our feet on the earth. We still have to walk through grimy marketplaces, uh, things that are our workplaces and our schools and our, our smart devices. You can look at your phone uh, very innocently wanting to scroll through Facebook and see uh, what's happening in the lives of your friends, but you're subjected to and assaulted by ads for products that you don't need, uh, angry people who are angry about things that you don't understand. Um, you uh, hear ideologies that kind of poison your soul, conflicts that leave you distressed and agitated, songs you wish you'd never heard that get in your ear and you can't get them out. Um, you, you might try going to look for a good movie on Netflix, but you have to scroll past the cover art for horrible movies that you would never want to see. And you didn't want to see the picture on the front of the movie anyway. Just walking through the world, uh, doing the things that we do, uh, we get grimy and slimy. And that's what Jesus 
is trying to address here. In the heart of our story, uh, there's a conversation that we read between Peter, uh, Simon Peter and Jesus, where Jesus is about to wash Simon's feet, and he says, no, no, don't, you can't, you can't wash my feet, we're not going to do this, Jesus. And ultimately, Jesus says, yeah, it's something that I have to do if you want to have a part with me, if you want to have a relationship with me. And Jesus sort of explains it to Simon with this simple throwaway line. He says, uh, the one who is bathed does not need to wash, except for his feet, but is completely clean. It seems like just a throwaway line, a throwaway explanation, but it's a, it's a theological statement, uh, and it's a, it's a statement of, our, our, of where we're at as people. We are clean. He has washed us. What we did here at the communion table, symbolizing the incredible uh, suffering of Jesus to deliver us and save us from our sins, that actually happened, and that actually worked. But Jesus was conscious that as his disciples navigated the world around him, around them, they were going to encounter all kinds of different things. They were going to be uh, walking through a pagan world that would leave them feeling grimy, that would challenge their sense of an ability to connect with him and connect with one another. That's, That's our experience too. Uh, We might go into the world with perfect intentions. Uh, We might go into the world even prayed up and and knowing that Jesus has cleansed us and knowing that we've been made whole and knowing that we have uh, a way forward to ultimately uh, dwell with him forever. But from some of the things we see and some of the things we experience, uh, we get grimy. We sometimes get weighed down. We sometimes feel like we're, we're underneath it. We sometimes feel maybe uh, depressed or like our minds are dimmed. We feel like we're just not functioning as we ought to function. And sometimes that's a sense of shame that just sort of builds up on us. It accumulates on us as we've walked through the world. And what Jesus is doing here uh, when he calls his disciples to wash one another's feet, is symbolically he's saying, yeah, there is a cleanness that I have prepared, that I have done for you, that is something eternal, that is something that will take you into eternity, but there is a day-to-day cleanness that you need that can only be achieved by your ministry to one another. There's a washing of our feet that has to happen in community, in relationship with one another for us to be who we're supposed to be. Jesus is wanting us to experience that. He's wanting us to live lives with brighter eyes, with greater confidence, with a greater passion to minister, uh, free from shame, free from just the yuck of life. He's wanting us to be regularly uh, made clean and made whole in community. But for us to become the kind of people who can do that for one another, can become the kind of people who will get on our knees and, and wash our friends' feet and, and hear the stories and hear about what our needs are and to hear about our struggles and to get our hands dirty caring for one another in the way Jesus showed his disciples. There has to be uh, some adjustments to our posture as humans. There has to be some adjustments to how we see the world and how we see people. And so we're going to just go quickly through the story and note 
some things about Jesus' posture, something that he's modeling and showing the disciples. So we go back to verse 1 of chapter 13, and it reads like this, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world and go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So the first thing that we see here is that uh, Jesus knows, right? He knows what's about to happen to him. He knows uh, that salvation is about to be accomplished. He knows he is about to go to be with the Father. He knows he is about to be finally safe. He knows he is about to be extracted uh, from this world and from the pain and from the struggle. He knows it's set, it's done, it's good, it's sorted. But there's still something inside him that says, I am going to be loving my disciples to the end. And so that's something we want to see in our posture. If we are people who walk as we as humans do, we normally come into any situation, any social situation, any community situation, and we are looking to have our needs met. We are looking to see uh, our own ends. We are looking to have things be the way we need them to be for us. That's our posture. Does this place work for me? Uh, Does this situation fill me? Does it change me? Uh, Am I going to be who I ought to be? Is this going to help me become the person? that I want to become? Is the fulfillment of myself going to be achieved in this place? And then when we have a sense of that uh, fulfillment, that sense of achievement that we've received very often, very often, that's when we're done. In this moment, Jesus could have just said, Okay, here we are. Uh, the time has come. God has given all things into my hand. Uh, all things, I have come from God. I'm going back to God. It's going to be great. I'm going to be safe. Time for a nap. Time to chill. I'm all good. <laughs> time for a holiday. Right? And Jesus has this thing inside of him that has to keep loving that has to keep seeing uh, the needs around him and has to keep caring uh, for his disciples. And so we see this incredible thing. You know, if you read that the way uh, John is building the story, he's building it up, right? He's like, I am going to depart out of this world. Jesus loved his own. He's loved them to the end. He knows the Father has given all things into his hands. So he rose up from supper and said, I'm out. Mic drop. (laughs) He rose from supper and didn't say something dramatic, didn't say something radical, didn't say uh, something about the end of the game. He knew all this internally. He rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. What a moment that must have been for the disciples to see their master, uh, their rabbi, take off his cloak. You see this echoed in uh, Philippians 2. He laid aside his majesty. 
He lays aside here his outer garments. He acts out who he was. He laid aside his outer garments, wrapped a towel, and just began, fills a basin with water. We can read on in the text. He takes a towel, ties it around his waist, he pours water into a basin and begins to wash his disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Just a few verses before, they've watched, they've watched uh, Mary come and wipe his feet with her hair, worshiping him. And now he, this worshiped savior, comes to serve. Comes as a humble servant, and he gets down on his knees with the basin and the towel. They will all have been laying around the table uh, with you know one elbow holding them up, picking food with one hand, and all these sort of stinky feet sort of sticking out around the table and going around the table one by one and washing the grime off their feet and wiping them with a towel. An incredible mark of humility. And this is the other thing that we want to see in terms of posture. Uh, not only do we want to not be oriented towards a situation in the community thinking what is there for self what is there for me when we come to a place of humility that humility always works itself out in practical ways it always works itself out with us scrubbing toilets washing feet serving in the sound booth rolling up cables hearing the stories of our friends and what they've gone through and what they've seen and what's been uh, oppressing them, the ways that they've been made unclean by walking uh, through the muck of the world and entering into their stories, getting our ears <laughs> dirty by hearing their stories, getting our hands dirty by washing their feet. We come humbly. We see this incredible ministry that, you know, is meant to be, uh, by, by many churches, is considered a sacrament. It's not something we've done, maybe I've done one or two times since we um, planted this church in, in terms of actual foot washing. But many of you have done foot washing a hundred times over the telephone or over a cup of coffee. It's a, it's a ministry that we're called to. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, go ye into the world, make disciples of all nations, that's one of the things he commissioned us to do. But in this text, the washing of the disciples' feet, the, the cleansing of those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ is another thing we're commissioned to do. And so that's Jesus' posture, this incredible posture of a servant he who was absolutely glorified, God and Father of all, creator of the whole universe on his knees, loving the salt of the earth. And then we talk about the posture of receiving. Jesus came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do, do you wash my feet? You shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you. You have no share with me. 
There's something in us when a brother or sister comes to wash our feet, comes to uh, help us walk through the difficult things we need to walk through, comes to do pastoral care in our lives, comes to pray for us, comes to listen to us. Uh, there's something in us when somebody who comes to us and rings us on the phone and says, hey, are, are you okay? What's going on in your life? What's your first answer? I'm good. It's all good. Fine. The second thing that's necessary uh, for this to work is a posture of vulnerability. And that's what Jesus is getting at in Peter. Is a posture uh, that says, hey, I, I need something. I don't only, not only do I need it to, uh, to, to just be clean and to experience what it is to be clean and to experience what it is to uh, feel refreshed and renewed uh, from, from the journey of walking through the world, but I receive something here uh, that actually is communion with Christ. I receive something here that actually uh, he feels is necessary to connect me with him and to connect me with you. So uh, a prerequisite for community is a posture of vulnerability. And, and we don't like that. We don't like that. We don't want to dish and say what's bothering us. We don't want uh, to share uh, the pain that's going on in our lives. Uh, sometimes we want to share them uh, with the pastor, and the pastor doesn't have enough time. We need to empower a whole body to wash one another's feet. We need to empower a body of pastors and caregivers and people empowered with spiritual gifts to do this work among us, to encourage us and to build us up. But for it to happen, we have to have a gift to switch quickly between these two postures. From the posture of humility that says, I'll roll up my hands, roll up my sleeves and get my hands dirty in your life, to switch quickly to a posture of vulnerability that says, will you roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty in my life? To switch back and forth and back and forth as we walk through the challenge of the, of the world. One day I need to be cleansed. I need to be washed. I need someone to tell my story to. I need someone to pray for me. The next day I need to pray for someone else. And sometimes this can happen on phone calls 10 minutes apart. We need to be able to be those who are cleansed and those who are cleansing others and be constantly involved in this ministry of washing one another's feet and having our feet washed. That the whole body would be clean. And that's what Jesus says. That is how I have a part with you. And unless you allow this to happen, it breaks down that relationship. Something of relationship doesn't work as well when we've got dirty feet. And he wants us to have that intimacy with him and intimacy with one another. He ends like this in verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. And that's where we see this as a command. This is something we're commissioned to. This is something we're called to. And what I love in verse 13 
is he gives us this incredible, empowering how. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, so also you ought to wash one another's feet. By calling him our teacher and Lord, by celebrating this thing about him, by acknowledging his humility, uh, by acknowledging our need for vulnerability, by exulting in it, by exulting in the glorious beauty of this humble, humble Savior, we become like him and we become able more and more to do this work and have this work done in our lives. We're at 10.08, so maybe what I want what I'll do is I'll just read Philippians chapter 2, because Paul understood this as well. And he uh, walked uh, through this years and years after Jesus had died and risen again. This was something that was built into the DNA of the church. And so we want to just read it together in Philippians chapter 2. Let's just pray maybe before we do that. Father, um, we ask that as we read this, as we read this little text that exalts in you, that glories in you, that celebrates you, that worships you, that uh, lifts you up, it is you're glorified in the reading of it that we would be transformed, that we would become worshipers who are made more like the one we worship. Do this work in our hearts. Amen. Let's stand together and read this as a benediction. I'm sorry not to be closing with the song, but we have to give the facility back. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any participation in the Spirit, right apart with Him, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being full in full accord and of one mind. Again, a call to unity. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by washing his disciples' feet, by walking the road to the cross, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Community Church, visit ovchurch.ca. Thank you.